it's it's not about success. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about. It's about the journey and and the whole process. Who you meet along the way, what you will create, what you will discover, and more importantly, how you will grow as a human being. Naturally, Trustique, a brand with high performance, cruelty free cosmetic products, and customizable makeup routines, wasn't born nine months from conception. It was nine years in the making. Despite growing up on a farm, co founder and mama pranista Jennifer Kapahi always loved beauty and enjoyed doing makeovers for her mom when she was just a kid. Then, art school. And even taking her place as one of 15 people selected out of 3,000 applicants in the Bloomingdale's executive training program. Next, working as a product manager at Revlon, and ultimately it happened. Jennifer and her co founder launched Trustique. Coming up, you'll hear about juggling two very young children and multiple businesses, all while living in New York City, about Trustique's travel friendly Essential Eight. And how Jennifer has managed to never take even one penny from venture capitalists. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must hear real life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. I'm so glad that you reached out to me on LinkedIn and now you're here with me and Stephanie on this podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to meet you in person. How did your passion for beauty start? Since birth, I think, is basically <laughs> the simplest answer. I actually, when I was a small child, remember always doing makeovers for my mom.、Um, I had two brothers, so they were not interested in that. But my mom was always the sort of like the test subject for all my hair and braids and accessories and makeup. And when I was eight, my best friends gifted me a caboodle, which was、oh, at that、caboodles. time the master <laughs> organizer. It was purple and teal, and I could. Organize all of my things, like even back then I was type A, so and organized and I wanted everything in their place. So, fast forward many, many years, I actually went to art school and I was、um, drawing and doing textile design and painting, but I really didn't want to become an artist. I really wanted to do something like I wanted to make something that I could sell. Which is a very different concept than just creating, just to create. And so, very strangely, I Basically, moved to the city and I got my first job, which ended up being the manager of the cosmetics department at Bloomingdale's. I did the executive retail training program. Were you here in New York City? Yeah, and I graduated that. And there was only, I think, like 3,000 people applied and 15 people got in. And then you would rotate through different departments as an assistant store manager. And I just so happened my last placement was cosmetics. And it, it just sort of was this strange, like, I guess meant to be place for me because I ended up learning a lot about beauty and a lot about the customer. And that was so interesting to me to see really truly who was coming in to buy Chanel and La Prix and Bobby and Stila. And every customer was different, and what, but what they were looking for was the same. And so it really it was very intriguing to me to see that, like, no matter how many SKUs and how many products brands had, the woman coming in from the street always wanted the same thing. Something easy. And 
it wasn't always easy. It was a disaster because you had to have like three makeup artists showing you how to use XYZ brush and this palette and this combination of 17 items. And real women were so like overwhelmed by that. So, but retail wasn't too creative. So after I left that, then I went to um, one of the biggest global manufacturers in the world. And I worked in the New York office. It was really small. And I did a lot of blue sky development directly with the lab. I wrote hundreds of product concepts and I started their first ever trend team, which was really cool as like an art person. What year was this? Um, let's see. I graduated college in 2005. I had Bloomingdale's in 2006. So this was probably like 2007, 2008. And I was there for four years and I did I love I worked with all the big brands like my clients became Anastasia and Jouer and Troy Serrat and Tom Ford and Estee Lauder and all these big brands and I I got to see and work directly with their product development teams and their marketing teams and basically create and co-develop products from concept to launch and it was very very cool in terms of the ingredients, the formulas, the textures. So I really learned like product from the ground up, I would say. And that was very cool. It's almost like cooking. It's like yeah. baking. You know, you can make anything from scratch. But then I decided I wanted brand experience. So I went to Revlon and I joined as a global product developer. And there I was there for another four years. And I worked on like almost every category. Color was my favorite. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And then left, and then started Tristique. But it wasn't it wasn't like a smooth leave. It was it was, there was um, a whole process. But so what was that process? How did you come up with the idea? So I had had the idea back when I was at Bloomingdale's. I had started with my best friend. Um, and we had basically these nightly conference calls once a week. She was in L.A. and I was in New York. And we brainstormed our business ideas. And at that time, I just knew. I actually grew up on a farm. My parents are entrepreneurs. Totally different. But I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always wanted to do my own thing. I hated working for other people. I always knew at some point in my life I wanted to have a family but there was no flexibility in corporate. I was like, this is like really not for me. And this is these are the days way before, you know, being an entrepreneur was a thing <laughs> or as a thing as it is now. So I came up with the concept of the essential eight. And eight is the luckiest number in Chinese culture. Mm -hmm. And my dad is Chinese. So I'm half Asian, and I always knew eight was a lucky number. It was my soccer number, and I played soccer in college, and everything was like eight, eight. for me, so it had to be eight. So I had that concept, but I I had no idea when it was going to launch. And honestly, when I left Revlon, I was like done with beauty, and I was out of there, and I was going to go into fitness and apparel design. And I really separately love fitness. I was always a tomboy and an athlete. And very, very, very serendipitously bumped into my now business partner at an industry holiday party the night I quit my job. Wow. And I have, to this day, no idea why I went to this party. Because if you quit your job, you're not going to go to parties. <laughs> you're probably just going to, like, stay at home and be like, oh, my God, what did I do? You know, this is right. a disaster. I should probably have a plan. And we just started chit-chatting, and we were like, he had the idea of this jumbo twist magnetic sealing crayon, and I had just launched the Just Bitten Bomb Stain crayon at Revlon, which was like their most 
sort of cool, trendiest product. They had never done like a crayon before. And so separately, we both just loved sticks, which sounds like kind of ridiculous. But (laughs) it was at that time, nobody was doing stick as a makeup brand, especially not only sticks. Like some people had eyeliners, Mm -hmm, obviously, mm -hmm. but totally different. We ended up brainstorming and and conceptualizing and like meeting at these coffee places because, of course, we had no office. And we... We basically, after just a few months, decided to become business partners, and he is like totally operations and supply chain, and I'm product development as my strength and marketing a little bit. And so we were like, okay, we complement each other, and I'm like, okay, I clearly don't have a job, so I might as well just go for this. So we decided to self-invest and launch the brand, just two people. (laughs) (laughs) What was his background? So – His father owns one of the biggest brands in Israel, and he grew up in cosmetics. And then he had come to the U.S. to sort of get trained in the core of the business before he was going to eventually join his dad. That didn't work out for them, but he learned a lot and worked at the same manufacturer that I had worked at in my previous life. And we had, you know, knew of each other. And um, he really learned private label, package development, supply chains, operations, basically like, to me, all the unfun things that I didn't want to have to do if I started a brand. So it was just this perfect combination of knowledge and I guess, strengths, you know, and he's obviously a guy. So his, you know, our personalities really like blend well together. And I grew up with brothers and he grew up with sisters. So it was kind of like this very like perfect relationship that developed. And we were like, okay, I guess we're going to go for it. And we were going to do it. So the first year when we launched the brand was like crazy. I mean, we did every product, every package, the bag, the website, the trademarking, the legal, the patents, hiring PR, developing Every single SKU, launching the brand by ourselves, just two of us. And what year was this now? 2015. We launched June of 2015. How long did it take from the day that you met to the day you are now selling on your website? Five months. Oh, you did it all in five months. Yeah, it's great. I mean, crazy. Like – we, I mean, we we still work 17-hour days, so that's (laughs) not really surprising. And you're selling only on your website right now. So we are selling on our website. um, We sell on Amazon which is a very interesting business for us for replenishment purposes and a lot of single item purchases. And we are on a few retailers like Revolve, um, Anthropology, But our main focus is the website because we offer the customization for your makeup routine. And there isn't any other place in the world, not even in a physical store location, that you can do that. Unless, of course, you have a 100% dedicated sales associate. Um, and we were, we have been too small to drive retail traffic to have that kind of a physical location just for Tristique. Mm. <laughs> so that's probably like in my dream of dreams, that's what's going to happen, you know, eventually. How have your products evolved since 2015? So it's an interesting question because. The bag that I brought today was actually one of our latest launches, and that was very much inspired by consumer feedback. So I think the short answer to the question is that we're always constantly surveying both in social as well as on email our customers and asking them what they want different. And because most of our customers use our makeup routine on the go, on the subway, in the car, in the plane, or just honestly very quick at home, they use the bag and the bag's mirror 
as their vanity, mm. on their on-the-go vanity. So it's your face in a case. So they asked for a strap so they could do one-handed application. So you can actually just slide your hand into this little loop. So we made it as a loop so you could hang it from a hook or attach it to your diaper bag or carry it easier and then snap it down to slip your hand through and carry it and do one-handed makeup application. But the products and the formulas, we also are constantly evolving. The shadow, for example, used to have a smudger, and we found that people didn't like to ply shadows with smudgers. They wanted a brush. So the latest iteration of that, we changed the formula. We added a brush as the tool, and that actually just launched last month as well. And the mascara took us three years to develop, so that was crazy. But... (laughs) Because of the patents and all of the tools. That's mascara with the curler. Yeah, yes. it has the first ever built-in really lash cool. curler so smart. in the cap. So smart. How did you launch the brand on day one? Okay, so on day one, we had gotten prior to that a huge order from Ipsy to do a big massive sampling campaign. We flew to LA to do their Generation Beauty event. We basically showed up. We were literally unpacking boxes. We were introducing ourselves to the world in person. There was thousands of beauty advocates and, you know, customers there. We sampled some of our small minis. We did this massive glam bag campaign and we launched the website all the same day. (laughs) I don't really know how that... uh, Were you sleeping at all? No, no. And I still don't sleep. Oh my gosh. And this is is just before you had your first child, right? This was just before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he was born in 2016. So it was a I did – Tristique was my first baby before my first baby. <laughs> <laughs> so you launched the brand this day. You do everything at once. And then what was the reception? It was really amazing. We The first year was crazy. We had, you know, every investor, every retailer reaching out to us. We won a very amazing award at CEW, the, the Beauty Quest Award. And then I went on QVC as a result of it. And um, I did many shows there, and it was it was just like a very, very fast, crazy trajectory ride. And we decided, like after some time, that you know, retail really wasn't great for us, for our brand, for the routine, and that we wanted to stay self invested, which was a very unpopular decision at the time. Now, in the light of certain news there it's more popular but back then everyone was just like scrambling for vc money mm-hmm. or private equity money mm-hmm. and looking for big valuations mm-hmm. so um i think we're really happy 4 years later that we stuck to our guns even though honestly most of the decisions on how we ran the business were quite uncool at the time, even, you know, not getting like an office and not hiring certain personnel and and employees and being overly excited to go to different retailers and try to launch the brand all over the place and as many things. And we, we made a lot of mistakes and we sort of just tried to stay very true to who we were. And, um, we just relaunched our website last summer. And with that launch, we were really like, we took like a breath and we were like, this was the right decision. Mm. And we sort of were able to sit back and really reflect on that. And now today I read news like all the time, of course, about different brands. And I'm like, hmm, okay, it's interesting. I'm glad I didn't hire 75 people. I'm glad I only kept it fairly small 
even though, you know, it doesn't seem like popular or cool, it's sometimes just better just to know who you are um, and grow slowly, steadily and profitably. You know? yeah. yeah, Stephanie and I always talk about that because we bootstrapped our business as well, never raised any money and so something that we see, you know, we see it in the news, everyone glamorizes raising really? millions of dollars but no one talks about how these companies are not profitable, probably will never be profitable, overhired, overinvest. A million percent. I mean, I like I literally I mean, I don't know why crazy. I'm surprised, yeah. but it's crazy. And they're getting they're getting all the press and it's like, wait, we all did this and built something 100%. from absolutely nothing. Like that's what should be celebrated. Hundred percent. you know, it's funny because I think the only reason why I have this perspective is because I grew up on a farm and I think <laughs> that my parents like there was no VCs who wanted right. to invest in an organic vegetable farm. Like, where was this where, farm? Yeah, where where it's on the North Fork. It's in a okay. place called Peconic that okay. maybe no one's ever heard of. But now the North Fork is very trendy yes. and everyone goes there. <laughs> it's like no more Hamptons. They're going to the North Fork. So now it's funny to me that everyone's like, wow, you grew up in such a cool place. I'm like, guys, I mean, it's, it is beautiful yeah. and it is cool, but there wasn't anything there when I grew yeah, up, you know? Yeah. But basically they had to bootstrap the business and, and they had to be very cost conscious and they had to hire only when they could afford mm. and buy tractors when only they had the money from the business. It wasn't like, you know, we're going to get this huge investment and buy like 75 John Deere's. I mean, it just didn't it didn't exist, that kind of a concept. So you always had this mindset from the time you were younger. I grew younger. up like that, yeah. Were you always selling things when you were younger as well? No, I wasn't like – I was always creating things. Okay. I was always making things. I always wanted – like my question to my mom every day of my life was what am I going to make today? And she's like, can we just like, you know, read a book or like, you know, <laughs> you know like chill out or something? And I'd be like, who am I going to see and what am I going to make? And she's like, you always just wanted to create stuff. So it kind of makes sense why I made made – a makeup brand because, you know, even though today I tell myself, like, what are you crazy? This is a very hard life. Like, don't yes. do this. Yeah, it's just for me, I guess it's just what satisfies my soul. <laughs> Coming up, how Jennifer has managed to never take a penny from venture capitalists and how Jennifer and her husband juggled two very young children and multiple businesses all while living in New York City. So Stephanie and I always talk to entrepreneurs who really had no experience prior to getting in the industry that they got into, but mm. you and your business partner did, Thank uh, which is <laughs> such an advantage because mm -hmm. you probably made a lot of mistakes in your past career before coming into this company. Totally. But what mistakes or lessons did you learn in that first year? Despite having oh all gosh. of this experience. So, so, so many. I think the first lesson I, I like alluded to, but was um, don't hire until you're ready to hire. Having the right team is basically like essential to doing anything that you ever want to do. And if you don't have people that believe in your mission and your passion and your brand, you won't get very far. Today, it's the number one pain point of, I think, a lot of small businesses, but we're so lucky to have such a great, strong team right now. But it took a really long time to get there, and we had a lot of not-so-great people. You know, when you can't afford very senior people or people with experience, you don't always get the best of the best, of course. And so there was a lot of learnings in sort of trusting our intuition about that, like who's the right fit, because just because a resume says X, Y, Z – doesn't mean it's a good personality fit. And the way that Jack and I work, 
we have very similar personalities. We expect a lot. We work 24 hours a day, but we're also humans and we're very flexible. But that lifestyle isn't for everybody. So you need to be able to find people that eat, breathe, and sleep the way that you do, you know? How do you find those people? Oh, gosh. So we've all different places. I mean, through, you know, my life, my network, um, friends of friends, recommendations, the Hey Mama Network, (laughs) um, people from my past lives, um, people that I used to work with, people that I meet, you know, networking and things, which I don't do nearly as much as I should. We have used headhunters. Some are better than others. Um, Mm -hmm. We can never afford them. That's always our problem. Are there certain questions you now ask in interviews that maybe you didn't ask in the early days to make sure you're getting the, the right people? I think it's more questions to the references that have changed. I'm very, very specific when I speak to references, either when I'm hiring an agency or a person, you know, an internal full-time person mm-hmm. or a freelancer. I really look to the references to understand not necessarily their job skills, more about who they are, what makes them tick, mm-hmm. what drives them, what excites them, what gets them out of bed in the morning, what their strengths and their weaknesses are. And that, to me, I can usually tell if it's going to be a good fit for us. And have you made any hiring mistakes? And what did you do about it? Oh, for sure. We made many hiring <laughs> mistakes. We had to part ways, to say it politely. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no, yeah. there's no other way. You just... it. You know, I think the the thing we learned is as soon as you know something is not a good fit, you just as quickly as possible exit because honestly, keeping someone that's not happy or not doing a good job is bad for your business and also it's bad for them too. Yeah. So you just sort of move on as quickly as possible yes, and you try yes. to fill the gap. And, you know, it's hard because once you have a hole – it's really like everyone else has to pick up the slack and that's when it's tough. I mean, we've suffered from this all the time. Um, We've never been that big, shiny VC brand that can hire 10 people to do product development. I mean, it's literally me. So, How many people are you now? We're 10 – well, we have an open hire, so we're nine, but we're we're always around the 10 mark. And then we have a lot of outside partners um, for, you know, agencies, freelancing and support. It's we, we actually now we don't fit in our own little tiny office space, <laughs> which we rent from my entrepreneur husband. So it's like I, I'm constantly bargaining with him. Can I have another cubicle? He's like, can you pay me more rent? I'm like, what is this? That's so funny. <laughs> so you're married to an entrepreneur yes. as well. What is that like? Are, are you only talking about your businesses at dinner time? Or <laughs> oh god, oh no! Like last night we didn't talk at all. We were so exhausted. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, we like shoveled food, uh, watching two baby monitors yeah. at the same time. I was emailing and he was on a conference call, but we have a date tonight, so so there will be no phones. Um, <laughs> I think what is the most interesting thing about our relationship is that we met in college, so we've been together for a very long time. I actually never knew that he was very entrepreneurial. He always wanted to be in, you know, he grew up in New York City, so finance or law or something like traditional. And he's not a traditional person at all. So I'm very glad that he didn't end up doing that. He would have been very unhappy. But I think in the beginning, I was in corporate for almost 10 years, and I supported him when he was starting his business ventures. Now he owns three different companies. Um, He's super private, and he's very unsocial media friendly. (laughs) Um, But he's been a huge 
huge supporter of what I want to do, and he has, like, no fear in life. He's just, like, he is by nature a risk taker, which I'm not. So he is really the one. I would have never quit my job. He was the one to say, this is not for you. You've, you know, done your time. You really have this other idea. You really should pursue it. I was like, are you insane? I'm giving up this salary and health benefits and all these things. And he's like, no, you should just do it because you just live your life without regrets. I don't want to hear you next year say you should have, you could have, you whatever. Just go for it. And that's sort of his philosophy in life. His like he he every day he wakes up, he's like, if you don't play, you can't win. And I'm like, right. But can I quit today? He's like, uh, if you don't play, you can't win. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, can I can I quit? You know? And he's like, and yeah, no. And he's he's just very. Um, I've never heard him say he's tired. And in my entire life, I've never heard him say or honestly complain about anything. And he's just sort of like this, like, probably the most hardworking person I've, besides my parents that I've ever met in my entire life. And he works, like, more than I do, which I don't even know how it's possible. And he's just very – he's just helpful, like, in the sense of I didn't feel the worry of having to try to – navigate this entrepreneurial world and have kids at the same time. And because we had been together for so long, we really very thoughtfully planned having a family and prepared for that for 10 years before we had kids um, so that we were able to do the businesses and sort of pursue our dreams simultaneously, which is like, it's difficult no matter how you slice it. (laughs) How do you prepare for that? And I was going to say, even with preparing, now being a mom and running a business, like, can you really have prepared to know what you're getting yourself into when you're running a business and having only, a family? Only sort of. I mean, <laughs> prepared, I'm talking financially. I'm yeah. talking about like really saving everything that you have. We needed to afford childcare and I needed to have somebody with me all times. So I have an amazing, wonderful nanny that helps me with my kids. I, there is no way that I could work like I work without her. Um, my mom is also retired now, and she helps a lot. And I know it's very difficult in today's modern woman culture because family is often far away or non-existent. And unfortunately, my husband lost his mom very young, which is why probably he has such a positive outlook on life. You just need to live each day to the fullest. But I think, you know, we don't have her help. So, you know, it's and every family has something to that mm-hmm, nature. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's very important for us to be able to support each other, have the balance, the help, the financial savings, and then also honestly the flexibility. Like if my kids are sick, I can stay at home and work from home. If if I'm I was pregnant and I was deathly ill, like deathly ill, I didn't I couldn't get out of bed for five months. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, just having my mom literally sit on the floor, read me emails, and I would verbally reply, and she would type them back. And if you were in a corporate environment, you didn't show up for work for five months, you would be fired. Yeah. So just it's outable. If that's mm. like a word I'm going to invent. It is. Yeah. You just interviewed you just Maria, For- Maria Forleo. Maria Forleo. And oh, my God. Her book is called Everything is Figureoutable. That is crazy. My mom is literally so obsessed with her. Yeah. <laughs> Every day she sends me a quote or an article that she's written. She s- listens to all of her um, online yeah, webinars yeah, yeah. and all of these things. And she's like – she is 
oh my god my I like my mom she was sitting right there oh a few my weeks god. ago my mom would be like so excited to know that I'll yeah. tell her send her her podcast yes. Yes. I will yes. oh of we course I hosted that one like a few weeks ago yeah she finds her very inspirational she, so she was by default I do too because yes. I get all the info from my <laughs> right. mom what would you say is a challenge that you maybe didn't expect while balancing I use I always say like balancing in quotations being a mom and running a business the challenges come with how quickly your child changes. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, is that you're like, you wake up one day, you just potty trained, you're like, oh yeah, I got this in the bag. We are good. We're going on the plane. We, we're taking a family trip. We're, you know, we're doing whatever. And then like all of a sudden, like he's not potty trained anymore and he's like <laughs> having accidents and you're in the bathroom for seven hours on a flight going to London and you're, I mean, there's just so much unexpectedness that come with kids and the moods and the personalities and you have one and then the next one is like nothing like the first one. You're like, I thought I knew how to do the, you know, learning how to crawl or learning how to walk or learning how to feed. But he doesn't like what my fir- – it's like this baffling process that constantly keeps you on your toes. And no matter how how much you think you know, you know nothing because it's constantly new. Yeah. So it's – for me, the most helpful, honestly, was the – friends, the mom friends that I made with my first son. Now I have like no new mom friends because I don't do anything with my second son, which is like so sad. But I had a mom group and we did rotational home private classes and we spent time with each other for three years. And they're the people that I can text and call or email and say like, oh my God, like my kid has been sick with this cough for a month. I don't know what to do. And I don't believe in giving, you know, X, Y, Z. And what would you do? And just ask real candid advice Mm. from people that you trust, but have children of the exact same age that live in the exact same place. And I have one best friend that lives in Hawaii, one best friend lives in LA, one best friend that lives um, in Santa Barbara. And it's just like very far away and their kids are different ages. And it I call them for advice, but it's not the same as having someone that you could just go and show up and have a coffee with or, you know, pick someone's brain about. How did you make those initial mom friends? And you set up a group so you guys could all have classes together? Yeah, it was just a private group that we had set up. I was invited by one of the moms that I had known, and I didn't know any of the others. And it was just like this lovely, very small group. And we just every Friday went to someone else's home, and we all had – kids within two or three months of each other and it's your first baby so it's like a really 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 big change Mm -hmm. in life and really big deal and it's like super traumatic for (laughs) anybody no matter who you are I don't care what you say um because you as a person like you lose yourself you gain a tremendous amount in different ways but you lose a lot of who you were and so like that process of like figuring it out Mm -hmm. and deciding what your priorities are, whether it's personal relationship, business, or what have you, I think is very different for everyone. So I was just happy just to have somebody just to like, that you have something in common with because all of a sudden you feel like you don't have anything in common with anybody anymore. It's very different. So any other advice you can offer mama pranistas who have their businesses and really like with their first child, because it is such a change. Um, I think, you know, having the support I'm talking about is very critical. Like you, if you don't have one or two friends that you can call, you have to really invest the time in trying to take your child to a class or an extracurricular activity. You have to try to meet 
a mom or two that you can just feel like you have something in common with and you can share. I just think that helps so much with your mood. I mean, social media is kind of like bad. I feel like in that sense, you can meet people on it, but you know, it's not helpful when you're having a really bad day or you're really struggling with something with your child and everyone else's life looks so perfect. You really need to be able to call someone real mm-hmm. and that really cares about helping you and and it's mutual. So I think that that's the most important thing is that group of friends, honestly, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have family close. If you have a sister or a, you know, a sister-in-law or mother or mother-in-law, then you're lucky, but not everyone has. Mm-hmm. Well, that's definitely really good advice. <laughs> Up next, a marketing focus on the people behind the brand. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneistas. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneistapodcast.com. A common theme from all of the guests we've interviewed on our podcast so far is that they've all relied on support from other women through groups. So we decided to start an Entrepreneista Facebook group. Head on over to Facebook and search Entrepreneistas. We really wanted to create a community for Entrepreneistas to connect, share ideas, help each other solve problems, and learn from all of our collective experiences. If you join the group, it's really a safe space to talk about being an entrepreneur, sharing your wins, asking for help when needed, and we can't wait to meet you so we can learn and grow together. Something that Stephanie and I like to do is surprise and delight our guests. So we're so thrilled to have you here, and we got uh, a present for you. So it's actually near your chair. Oh. Uh, it's in the Entrepreneurista swag bag. So nice. our gift to you for joining oh my gosh, us today. I love this bag. Thank you so much. I'm a mom. What's your superpower? That's amazing. I thought that was perfect for you. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. I'm like, literally, that's it. <laughs> oh my gosh, very cool. Thank you guys. Well, That's enjoy. So There's a notebook in there, your entrepreneurship oh pin. I'm still That's all about handwritten notes. Thank yeah. you guys. Yes, That's you're so, so welcome. Thank, Thank you, so you for sharing all of your tips and advice and your journey with us today we need to talk more about these products uh they they're (laughs) my first right next to us there's eight of them face in a case i love that i don't know if you can trademark that or who owns (laughs) that but it's really really a great term and the case is just so beautiful so i guess can you talk to us about the inspiration behind the the brand and the products and how you decide what to develop and create the the essential aid is the is our routine. It's sort of the thing I think that separates us from a lot of other brands. I basically, when I was in my real life and and growing up, I'd always seen real women really struggle with their makeup, like putting on their makeup, carrying their makeup. And then when I moved to the city and I started working, you know, putting my makeup bag in my purse plus my gym clothes, plus my lunch, trying to take a subway. I'm like, there is so much stuff in here. This is crazy. I can't find anything. It's a mess. And it's very heavy. And so I really wanted to provide a solution, not just for really high-performing, amazing textures and formulas that are clean, that have like amazing benefits, that last long, that feel good on your skin. But also, I wanted the tools to be in like a structure, which is like why they're in the bottom of the pencil. So it's so clean smart. because the the brush that's exposed in your makeup bag and gets the powder all over the place drove me nuts. And I wanted everything to be in stick crayon form. One, because you can apply it with one hand, 
but two, because it's very travel friendly and I don't like liquids and powders. They're always breaking or spilling. So the fact that I could put my tinted moisturizer in a stick, my lipstick, my shadow, my concealer and mascara, everything in stick form and in a bag the size of my coffee cup was really the solution that I felt like most women needed because it's your face in a case. It's it's five minutes and it now that I'm a mom, I really, really appreciate that because of the time savings. And I mean, I literally have had my baby in the sink and I would be holding the bag and doing my makeup <laughs> in three minutes now, you know, I mean, like I'm a Trace expert. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'll just, you know, touch up and I'll give him the crayons to hold and play with. And they're so cute and playful. But it is that simple and that easy and that fast. And I think the speed is obviously the solution that I never appreciated until I became a mom. But um, Perfect for the mom multitasker. Yes, so for sure. I can't wait to try these products because I definitely, you know – only have a few products that I use in the morning and I like essentials. Yeah, my essentials. Exactly. And it looks like you have them all all right here. And Courtney's <laughs> a big traveler, so I feel like this is yeah, perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. Courtney's so. always on the go traveling. Oh, cool. <laughs> I love definitely that. Can't wait it's to perfect test it out. For you. And this bag is um vegan. So we were it's asked beautiful. obviously to do like vegan crocodile and navy blue is our brand color. So it's sort of um sort of the perfect rendition and we have more things coming soon but this was all based on our customer feedback and what they wanted and what's the price point so the whole set is 175 dollars um which is approximately like 22 percent off individually priced products when you buy all eight you get eight products eight tools plus the bag plus free shipping and we're providing a discount code today for anyone who wants for your oh, listeners nice. or for you guys? Yes, yeah, thank <laughs> you. for twenty percent off, entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs, twenty percent off. Yep. You guys have to try these products. <laughs> so there are a lot of brands right now in the beauty space, and I feel mm-hmm. like I'm learning about new brands every day. What are you doing to really stand out from a marketing perspective? I think there's a few things. One is really educating on the routine because the bag and the size of the bag is very different from a lot of other makeup brands. And we're really trying to do much more video content. Mm -hmm. Um, We just started a little thing called Behind the Sticks. And it was my idea to really start storytelling about why I started the brand, who I am as a founder, that I'm really like an actual product development expert. I'm not just – nothing wrong with this, but I'm not just someone from the street or a celebrity that just wanted to start a brand because of my fame or following. And I think – you know, ultimately, our customers and new people who find the brand are really interested in in purchasing products now that are very high quality, very well made. But they want to understand like the 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 people behind yeah. the brand. It's not these big corporations yep. that you know have chemicals in the products, synthetic fragrances, D five, parabens, all these things made by someone they don't know yeah. and can't identify with. So. That little blog series we started doing like IGTV, emails, blog posts, and social behind it. And that's been like really, really successful. And it's only about a month in. We just began our two months in. Um, But I'm really excited about it because it's a way for um, me and for Jack, honestly, to share about more about our inspiration and experience of why we were able to do these really innovative like patent pending products that 
Also, I think in beauty, there's a lot of like stock formulas, stock packaging, yeah. same old, just different colors. Um, and we really, really, really are product experts. So I think the innovation is what excites us the most. And if somebody says, I would really like to have a blotting sheet paper inside this matte stick, I'm like, okay, I can make that. You know? That's awesome. <laughs> so we did. You know, it's kind of like, it's very cool to be able to make anything that you can dream up and design. Can you share some of the products that are coming soon? Well, I can allude to the fact that our big, big, big push this year is on sustainability. Mm. And I think um, a lot of brands are talking about this. We have like really, really exciting things coming. I can't say what, but I'm, of course, growing up on a farm, very passionate about sustainability and organic and things like that. So so more in terms of that. But I can say that we are launching a, a bunch of new shades within our best-selling essentials purely based on customer feedback. They're like, we really want, you know, <laughs> bring back the chocolate Kona matte cream shadow. We're <laughs> like, okay, that's very easy. We can do that. Um, so there will be, yeah, a lot more shades coming too. What's something people would be surprised to learn about you? Besides the farm? <laughs> um, maybe that I'm a tomboy because I think in, in beauty, obviously – you either you're overly feminine or very into fashion and, and makeup and all of those things. I love to snowboard. I like to wake surf and I played soccer and I grew up on the farm. And so I like to ride quads and like motorcycles and like be outside. That's so cool. The last thing I want to <laughs> do is like be well, I love to dress up, but I, I don't really want to be like in a city environment. So it's like the whole thing is crazy. I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you want to be living? Um, in the mountains, <laughs> probably in Colorado. I don't really like, if someone was like, were you like to shop or would you like to snowboard? I'm like, well, there is a place that you could do both, but no, I, I would rather <laughs> snowboard. <laughs> uh, what are your, what are some of your favorite places in New York? If you have any, or Colorado. Yeah. Um, zero, basically. No, I'm, I'm like really – I'm not – I don't really love New York. I like to go to Soho Sanctuary. It's in my neighborhood. It's like a really – a women-only spa. It's really simple. And mm. I, I like that you just walk in and I've been going there for like 15 years. Just great people and it's really quiet and like very simple. I also – all the time go to a little coffee place near my son's school on Sullivan Street. My favorite restaurant is Mamo. We know Mike, who is the owner, and he has a really, really amazing place in France. And he started the restaurant. We've been going there. We, like, live there. So we go there every week for a date. Is that where you're going tonight? Yep, that's where we're going tonight. <laughs> what, do you do, what do you get there? Gluten-free pasta. So I'm oh. gluten-free and dairy-free. Okay. The truffle pizza is that insane. That truffle pizza is insane. I dream Wait, about there's gluten-free, dairy-free truffle pizza somewhere? No. Oh. It's <laughs> gluten-free, dairy-free pasta. Okay. And that's what I typically get, the vongole pasta. I was like, I'm coming on your date tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so good. There, there is actually, there's a place that I order on Postmates that that I get. I'm going to have to get a whole list from you. Yeah. (laughs) Now that I have kids, the problem is I just go to playgrounds. So (laughs) I go, I like to go to the pier because it's on the water and it's a little bit more outdoorsy with some trees. And that's fun because I'm obviously downtown, not near the Central Park. Do you have a favorite mantra or quote that you live by? Well, now then my husband put this in my brain every day. It's um, if you don't play, you can't win. (laughs) But that's really, um, and no risk, no reward. Sort of like constantly reminding myself of the fact that you really have to push yourself out of your comfort zone in order just to make anything that you want happen. And 
for sure, if you give up, you're just never going to get to the end and your end goal, the finish line, whatever you want to call it. You have to work hard. Yeah. You just have to keep going. Were there times you just really wanted to throw in the towel oh, yeah. or give up? Oh, my God. Like, yeah, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and then my husband will let me. Yeah, I, I think especially when you have kids because it becomes like you think you have so much in your business. And then on top of that, you're adding all these other layers of complexity and you're like, Always, always by the end of the day, family is the most important. So you just have to find a way to balance. And I just, you know, now that I have two small kids, I'm like, there won't be the time where I can work 17 hour days forever and I can't be in the office every day anymore. I need to help find, build the team, be stronger and find like very senior leadership. Um, so it's something that I'm going to work on this year. So anyone who needs a job, no. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, I always plan sort of a year ahead. So is there anything you, anything, you know, now that you wish you knew when you first started the business that could help someone who's first starting? I think the, the number one thing that's very important that I didn't know that I know today is sort of the fundraising aspect, you know, when the right time to fundraise is, is sort of critical for any business. And I think if you figure out your trajectory and you figure out how to become profitable and how to hire appropriately and to um, really manage your expenses, then you'll be able to say, okay, you know, year two or year three is when I really need to fundraise. But before that process, it would have been helpful for me to know that you need to know people and foster the relationships and do that proper networking before you're looking to raise money. Because you can't just decide, I mean, you can just decide to do anything, but it's easier if you already have contacts and the know-how before you're about to, you know, hit the market to raise, for example, to know, oh, these are the players that are, could be interested in this line of business or this type of brand or this t size of business and then to know where to start the conversation. And so, you know, that <laughs> very amazing term that we all know is networking mm -hmm. is like it is critical, but specifically for that before you need it, which is like time consuming, of course, but helpful. <laughs> well, that's definitely very, very helpful advice. And lastly, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? To me, it's a very positive word. I think it's a fun word. So I think it's really living your life in a passionate way, pursuing whatever it is that your dream is and going along for the ride. You know, it's 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 not about success. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about – it's about the journey and and the whole process, who you meet along the way, what you will create, what you will discover, and more importantly, how you will grow as a human being. And I think – all entrepreneurs truly feel that way because obviously you wouldn't be doing it if you weren't passionate about it, but it's really about that passion to me. Yeah, I love that. Well, Jen, thank you so much for being here and sharing your journey and thank story. And me. we're so excited to share your products with everyone. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, buy your incredible products? <laughs> so tracedeek.com. Um, we have a little button called Selfie Shade Match. So if you just click on that, we will shade match you with a real person, not with an AI technology. And we'll give you your shades and products. And we'll either recommend the Essential 8, which is your entire face in a case, or we'll recommend the Essential Mix, which is sort of your, you know, you can have anywhere between five and 
15 products if you want and really custom build that routine for you. And if you really fall in love with one or two products, you can replenish them on Amazon. <laughs> and follow us is at Tracedique and I'm at Jennifer Kapahi. And you can also use a special code that we created for 20% off your routine, um, Entrepreneurista. Thank you so much. That's Entrepreneurista for 20% <laughs> off on your website. I know everyone will... Yes. Love to use the code to get started. So thank you. Thank you. And hope to hear from you guys on social. Yes. <laughs> and I'm Stephanie. I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. Thanks for listening. 